The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Ottawa Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts work you can find at MMAJunkie.com as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. I'm recording this into the wee hours of the night, as per usual. That means late Thursday for me, early, early Thursday for some of you. And we'll be up uh, in the morning by the time you wake up before weigh-ins, yada, yada. Uh, I think. I don't, I don't even I don't even know where, where what is in the world. Uh, I keep writing down Fort Lauderdale for my hashtag still. I'm a mess. But uh, speaking of a mess and speaking of, you know, Florida, before we quickly, very quickly recap that and touch on a few quick, quick notes before we get right to the breakdown. Just a reminder, if you want to skip to said breakdown, Timestamps are in the notes, and on that reminder, if you don't even want to, you know, listen to the breakdown, you want to skip that, you just want the picks and whatever plays, spoiler alert, it's super skim. Not a lot of strong feelings tonight, today, as you may, uh, but you can always go back to the very end where I put that. So, uh, before we get to those things and to the, the main course, if you will, uh, just wanted to give give the lone shout-out, which goes out to Nemiroff Vodka, uh, especially Laura Badish from Nemiroff Vodka, for hooking up the uh, sponsors I tweeted and posted about. Uh, I honestly didn't crack them open for the last fights. Uh, I didn't really do much. It was pretty low-key, so I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really say much in that regards, but... Um, However, I figured, you know, it's late, got a good workout, and, you know, Dan Tom's back in the gym. Three jiu-jitsu classes this week. Holy shit, I can't tell you the last time I did three classes in one week. It's not that much, but, like, for me and for, you know, uh, somebody who, you know, missed all of 2018 for health shit, that's, uh, it feels pretty fucking good, but don't worry, I won't bore you with that. Just know it's awesome, it's humbling, it's great to be back. And hopefully I will sleep good tonight because of it uh, and wake up in, mo- in the morning and see that everybody was on weight. Uh, it's been pretty good about that lately as far as fight cancellations and whatnot. Though, uh, if they, you know, not that these cards, you know, that they could use some cancellations. As as per usual, everything is, uh, is, is, is a little thick, you know. Can't we just have like a nine fight fight card or ten fight fight card for once? It's going to be 13. It's not like we're getting... It's not even like there's UFC stretch. It's like the whole year is just one big stretch, it feels like. Anyways, neither here nor there. Uh, quick recap. I got the odds already pulled up, which is pretty cool. But uh, just wanted to give a shout-out there. Oh, by the way, uh, not a big... I used to drink vodka when I was younger, and I think that's because of all the hard liquors. It's not a strong taste, so maybe maybe that was why. Now I'm a more whiskey-scotch guy. But this is really good vodka. Really good. Not even bullshitting, like, uh, better than that old gray Guccifers. 
Um, whatever else the kids drink. Uh, there was like a darker, though, vodka here. And I was like, what is this, like from the Chernobyl part of Ukraine? And <laughs> Jesus Christ. I shouldn't joke about that. Um, but no, it's like honey and chili pepper. I've not tried it. So I'll give you guys a nice, honest, honest take on the podcast here. Uh, all right. Cheers. Oh, by the way, if you have any other things you want me to sample on the podcast or sample but talk on the podcast, I'm all down for that. You want to make it an official sponsor? You know, make this relationship official? All right, make me an honest man. That's fine, too. Cheers to you. Sorry, I'm just trying to fill noise because I don't want dead air. I think the last time I had... Somebody talking. Maybe it was Connor. But, um... Wow, I'm not gonna lie. I thought it was gonna have to be, like, really terrible and I was gonna have to tone down how terrible it was, but it's not bad. I mean, it's not something I would think of to make or to request, for that matter. And presented to me, at least on paper, I didn't think I was gonna like it, but, uh... It's not bad. It's got some soul to it. Because, you know... Because vodka is very like, you know, it's like the serial killer of hard liquors, right? <laughs> it's all pale and white. Uh, <laughs> takes no form. It could be your next door neighbor. Oh, my God. Oh, that reminds me of a story. But we need to get into breakdowns, folks, and talk talk uh, breakdowns and, and recaps of a quick breakdown. Did pretty good, I think, on overall reads last week for Fort Lauderdale, except when it came to the... You know, the main event, which was crazy. But 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 that was that was you know, that was awesome. Jack Hermanson, of course, defeated Jacare Souza. Just the fact that he you know produced that on short notice against Jacare for five rounds, kinda of fought the perfect fight. Um I guess I I guess that's what I laid out for his path to victory, but I just I just I still even with laying it out, I had a hard time seeing it. He made it happen, so good on him. Um Greg Hardy defeated Dmitry Smolyakov. Not much to say there. Um, I do have a couple of those, but I'll, I'll, I'll save them for after so I don't get I don't get hung up. Um, what happened was supposed to happen, I suppose. Obviously, I, I took the other side, uh, you know, for my reasons. But uh, man, Smolyakov looked anybody picking him looked stupid. Uh, all right, Mike Perry defeated Alex Oliveira. Didn't see that one coming, but good on Mike Perry. You know, he's he's an endearing cat and. Uh, Every loss hurts, especially in the UFC, but uh, Mike Perry definitely couldn't afford one. Or, you know, I guess you could say Alex Oliveira, you know, could afford one more uh, for whatever that's worth, whatever consensus that is. Not much to him, but, you know, his fans, eh. uh, they both live to fight another day. Look at it that way. Uh, Glover Teixeira, not today, defeated Ian Kutlaba. Uh, Iwan, sorry, Kutlaba. I, uh, man, this was awesome. I, I, I really enjoyed this one. They're just, what a power weekend. I mean, you had the Glover bringing the Not Today back and then Game of Thrones, not to spoil anything. But, uh, you know, they revisit that famous line and I'll just leave it at that. And it was a good episode and I've been pretty critical on the old Game of Thrones and that, that was a fun one. Oh, you know, you can go back and be revisionist and, and, and go on hate on things. And certainly that's, I, I, I can see the humor in that too, of course. But uh, but yeah, that was a good episode. And, and by the way, wasn't it, see that ref that would like look like a dude that was just defending Castle Black? He looked like some kind of fucking or just a weird sex dungeon master dude. Like he was like bald and was like had that weird curly beard and the weird eyes. Yeah, 
Oh, that was kind of funny because I was actually comparing uh, Florida in the last podcast of the Seven Kingdoms on the way out of the last podcast, which was kind of hilarious. And yeah, there's some there's some comparisons there, right? We've got a we've got a, a dark people from across the watery land that that finally learned how to, to use uh, crafts to get over. <laughs> Jesus, Dan Chris. Florida had the Mad King Andrew Jackson, the guy on your twenty dollar bills for for you Americans. He was. Uh, he was he was quoted as King Jackson because he handpicked his cabinet and created some or I created uh, I convicted either he did some very bad things uh, you know genocidal things to Indians uh, in Florida let's just say uh, so you know you had the Mad King a lot a lot of themes there a lot of themes there so I guess seeing that ref didn't wasn't that surprising anyways but the, you know seeing Gulliver to share whether the storm come back at the choke was awesome. Catch that three for three for props. I can't remember the last time I did that. That was awesome. Um, Corey Sanhagen, John Lineker. I was happy to see Corey win. I wanted to pick him. Wish I did, but uh, you know, it just I, Lineker is a special kind of dude for all the ways you can demean and say his arsenal is pretty basic, predictable, uh, not a huge ground threat. Uh, you know, was outside of his guillotine. But there's something special about his pressure, his power, and his chin that guys just seemingly have a hard time dealing with. And as much as I like Sanhagen and was impressed by his footage both in and before the UFC, there wasn't enough in that regard to be confident. So, so yeah, but just seeing him come through was awesome. Shitty that that crowd booed, but, uh, you know, it was a close fight for sure. I mean... I could see scorecards either way, but anyways, uh, good on Sanhagen. Hopefully, he didn't take the booze too seriously. Robert Roosevelt Roberts defeated uh, Thomas Gifford. Not much to say there. Takashi Sato defeated Ben Saunders. Sato uh, inside. I think I had that. And Sato, uh, the parlay piece was good. Um, Sakai defeated Orlovsky. Close decision was just depressing. It put me to sleep. Uh, Sparza defeated Jenny Jaroba. Cash that a straight play. Burns by submission over Davis. I mean, again, just the, uh, oh, you know, not all Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts are created equal, and although that didn't necessarily hold true in the main event, it, it does hold true for guys like Gilbert Burns and other guys like Damian Maya to where if you don't put them against adequate competition, but you're going to put a plus money by the submission prop. I'm going to hit that all day. So that was nice. Jim Miller... Of course, scoring the inside the distance in Jason Gonzalez. That was the third problem, not Sato. Because uh, Sato's was inside was juiced. Um, you got plus money, though, for Miller's, and that was nice over Jason Gonzalez. And he did it in front of the kids. As John Attic said, that was awesome. Uh, Hill Escobel, not much to say there. Uh, good on Lima defeating Court McGee. Um, I thought it was an easy pick for Court McGee at first, and then after my analysis, I said, you know, on this podcast, that this dog or pass, and... Uh, if you're on the dog, good on you there. All right. I'll log back in here for odds. Uh, Bellator Birmingham, not much really to talk about there. Um, got pretty much a Brett Primus. Is it Brett or Brent? I always get that confused. Jesus. Every Brett I know, I'm like, it's Brett. Every Brett, I'm like, it's Brent. I'm pretty sure it's Brent. Anyways. Um... Pulling up odds here. All right. 
UFC on ESPN plus nine with the with the uh, changeup. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. Uh, starting from the top, we got it headlined by Al Iaquinta, who's your favorite, minus 120. Donald Cerrone, underdog, comeback, plus 100. This is the uh, lone piece of written analysis up, uh, up on my profile, but MMA Junkie there, pinned to my profile, Dan Tom MMA. Um, this was a fun one to break down, real fun. You know, Al Iaquinta, it's like I... It's like breaking down two different versions of him. There was like the up to the Jorge Masvidal fight, and then after that, because he goes on this weird long breaks and inconsistencies and knee surgeries and fighting with the company. He's back. He's not. And it just seemed like it was just hard to take seriously, know where he was at. But I think getting a taste of getting so close to gold and that Khabib fight, even though he came short, really changed something in him. Focused on him to dial in a run. And that's great to see. And in Cerrone's defense, he's been doing it as well. Uh, looks like he's, 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 you know, embracing fatherhood. And, you know, we've seen it hit some fighters bad. It doesn't seem to be hitting Cerrone that way. It, it's uh, giving him drive. But how much, you never know. It's, it's Donald Cerrone's one of the tougher fighters to read for a reason, folks. So, um... Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a wash as far as wrestling and grappling. This fight just comes down for me to knees and kicks. Um, Cerrone's knees up the middle, which is why I initially came into the analysis leaning toward him. Feels like anybody like 5'9 or shorter just eats his intercepting knees all day up the, med- uh, up the middle. Uh, although, you know, kind of like I stated in the breakdown, you know, Al's 5'10", but he fights from that lower crouch boxing stance. He does a lot of dips and rolls, which kind of goes right into that region. He works a lot off of that. So uh, if they didn't game plan around it, I think he's fucked. But when I started watching Ally Quinta footage, I was like, this guy knows distance really, really well. Uh, You know, he's not beyond getting hit, obviously. But as far as knowing when when he's safe, when he's not, for the most part, when, when he wants to... He really has second nature defense, and I think that's our second nature range, which is why he's able to find his other things. He's got you know really underrated leg kicks himself. He knows how to dig them in there. He can switch up to high kicks when he's feeling in stride, shuffle step, shuffle in off of combinations. Uh, he can do a lot of different things, but what really surprised me was that not just how much knockdowns he, he, he scores in his fights, but the fact that I would argue like a good 65% of those knockdowns, at least a majority of them, come off of caught kicks or countered kicks, uh, which is obviously a very important note considering Cerrone does throw a lot of kicks now. Cerrone doesn't throw them too lackadaisically, so uh, he's not the easiest guy to counter off them, but Al does have those tools. So it's really interesting. Uh, ultimately, I ended up siding with Al what I think is going to be a close decision. Odds don't really point that way. They think someone's going to find a finish, which could happen for sure. Al does work the body. Cerrone does, you know, uh, come up high with those head kicks, got got his knees, like I said, and has submissions to polish things off if he needs to. But uh, I think Iaquinta starts a bit faster and, and finishes a bit stronger. And I think those are going to be the key differences, one of the, one of the two, if not both. So I'll take Iaquinta, but without a plus money and – my insecurity of picking against or for Cerrone, for that matter. I didn't play this one, I'll be honest. Good luck if you did. 
You know, if you you're, you feel strong on angle either way, I, I may sprinkle come fight day, but we'll see. But yeah, all right, let's speed through this, huh? Shall we, folks? I'm already, uh, uh, you know, of the later of the podcasts and uh, content as per usual. So thank you all for sticking with co-main event, which seems to have a different meaning because the co-main events are usually not strong and like it's usually like the the you know the best fight is 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 not just on the main card, which is fine. Like there were some old school UFC cards that way, but or as far as like not maybe better than the main event, hopefully not. But you know, usually if something was better than the co-main event is what I'm trying to say. It was usually the opening bout, the old lightweight opener special. But that style of matchmaking and that format with these cards seem to be really be going away. So like the Lineker Sanhagen was kind of just lost in the middle. Swanson Burgers, which you'll get to, lost in the middle. So I don't. I don't know what's going on, and these co-main events kind of show. Uh, right now, it's a pick 'em dead even, one ten apiece. Brunson versus Theodoru. Man, um, most of this fight's on my avoid list. By the way, I started making avoids list, and I'm like, okay, everything's gonna be on the avoid list pretty much for the most part. This is one of them because, like, I had Theodoru coming into my analysis, and even. You know, even 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 after, uh, I think I even put I was gonna put Theodore on my picks, and I was like, you know, I was back and forth, back and forth. I ended up siding with Brunson, um, and that was after tape. That was more just listening to to interviews that he actually finally moved camp from uh, North Carolina, and he's with Henry Hoof Combat Club. And it's hard whenever it doesn't matter the fighter or the camp. Whenever they 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 switch it, it, it takes. You know, I say this all the time. It usually takes about a time or two to, to really kind of congeal properly, uh, you know, to really for them to get comfortable. So you can't expect too much. However, some fits are really good and better than others, uh, you know, depending on the fighter. And I've talked about that too, uh, you know, with, with, with certain examples. And I suspect Brunson actually might be a good fit for them. Um, obviously, you, you know, Henry Hoof's not a... a a lot of southpaws from Michael Johnson, Robbie Lawler, Luke Rockhold. Uh, Henry Hoof's got a lot of experience with them, and more so just veterans even, too. Veterans really getting their, their fundamentals kind of drilled and sharpened up. Um, that definitely wouldn't hurt Derek Brunson, you know, more more that maybe that patience, moderation, some footwork, a little more, pro- a little more process, I guess I should just say, uh, which wouldn't be bad. However... If he does congeal that way, what if he gets, you know, does that mean it makes it easier for him to get stuck into Elias Theodore's muddy three-round, you know, uh, little affair, you know, where he's, you know, he's he's good everywhere. You know, he can he can fight from the clinch at distance. Uh, Elias is better than people give him credit for, especially when you consider how long he's been training that he doesn't come from a background. It's just insane. He's got like that mimicking uh, muscle where he can just, you know, mimic things really well. Um, so at first I was leaning for him to just do that to decision, maybe even get a third round TKO if Brunson really is just kind of done or washed and, you know, just starts gassing cause he's gotten tired too. But, you know, I was actually looking and Elias usually doesn't get tired except for his last three fights. He's kind of consistently gotten more and more tired in those fights. And then of course he almost got rocked and dropped by a Southpaw and Eric Anders and Anders, as much as I like the guy, obviously he's, uh, if everybody had different, you know, expectations of Eric, which we were all admittedly high, that being said, 
he's fallen considerably short of all those, and that's very fair to say, I think. Whereas Brunson, as much as the criticisms we can say, and as much as many of those criticisms are true, he still has that 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 power and can close the distance and he can he can finish the job. Now when he doesn't, he's in big trouble, for sure. But having that killer instinct and, and that power and that precision, that, that that actually not so much is trouble. It's just when he uses it and what happens when he uses it and it's at the wrong time. You know, then you look at the fight with Leo Machida and you know he's able to counter and get the last on that exchange and you know it's a really important fight for him and his family and uh Theodore's won a lot of close ones that you know could have gone the other way Ugh, excuse me so I don't know I think his I think his luck runs out here so I'm take Derek Brunson but uh I stayed away all right next fight another one I was back and forth on Shane Burgos minus 160 Cub Swanson plus 140 um yeah, I got a. I was initially taking Shane, and I actually submitted my pick for Shane, and I changed it to Cub Swanson. With that being said, the only the only few times uh, the sneak peek behind the scenes there, when I've changed my pick at Junkie Staff Picks, all of them have been the wrong way. So in other words, I shouldn't have changed my pick. So if you're a Burgos supporter, you're in luck. That's probably a good omen that he's gonna win. You know, uh, just wasn't sure where, where Cub's at. Uh, he just hasn't seen him with it the past couple fights. And Shane, even though he's been clipped, you know, uh, I'm still really high on him. I really like his style. He's got some power. Uh, I don't think he's going to be... Uh, I would say Swanson's still probably the better wrestler, but not by a stretch. And Burgos, real underrated submission grappler in general, so I don't really see too many, you know, e either guy having a huge edge there unless, like, you know, like Burgos clips Swanson and then finishes him by a submission. I could totally see that. Uh, uh, excuse me. I could totally see that happening. But, uh, and aside from that, when I look at this fight, it's tough because, you know, you look at Burgos getting dropped a lot too, and you're like, hmm, well, maybe his chin's not the best either. And, you know, look at who Swanson lost to, high caliber, yada, yada, yada. But more specifically, you know, uh, when we, when when Cub came on Junkie Radio, you know, he was admitting these things that you know he wasn't with it, wasn't feeling it. Not so much making excuses, just being really honest. And um, and he was talking about moving away from some Sam Calvita for this camp. Interesting, oddly enough, right? Uh, even though he's saying everything politically correct, you read between the lines. He's focusing more his own camp, his own home camp with his uh, the ULDS guy, I think his name is the boxing coach, and that guy, you know. Especially in those early fights, like back with Max Holloway, it was a little maybe too boxing centric. Maybe even his cornering the Frankie Edgar fight, you know, thinking that the countering was more valuable than it was, especially in MMA. However, against a boxing centric kind of style fighter like Shane Burgos, uh, who's going to want to bring that war, having that that guy in that preparation. Uh, is going to do Cub well, I think. And I think Cub is the more versatile and the more technically savvier boxer. I don't know where the speed and power is going to stack up. I'm going to have to give the power to Burgos and who knows, maybe even the speed as well, right? Uh, but if he doesn't clip Cub, 
and, and submit them or clip them and stop them. I honestly could see a Cub winning out more of the exchanges and, and uh, you know, maybe piecing him up, maybe clipping Burgos. Uh, Cub can do that for three rounds. You know, we saw him with Choi. Uh, granted, that was 2016 now. But, yeah, it's 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 not by much, but I'll take the dog in Swanson. I think they opened him for a favorite as a reason. The levels aren't there. I think Burgos could still lose this one. It could be a learning loss to a veteran, and he could still come and be a top-five fighter in the future in this division. But I think uh, Cub Swanson needs to turn it around. It's an important fight for three. A lot of people are just going to be counting him out just for that. I think this is one of the fights where he shows up and reminds Reminds those who forgot. All right, next fight. Mirab Devalishvili, minus 185. Brad Katona, uh, plus 160. Um, yeah, I took Mirab here. Uh, I'm with the public as well. But, you know, getting close to 2-1 to one a favorite, I don't know if I trust Mirab that much, especially a guy like Brad Katona who keeps proving me wrong. I would imagine he proves a lot of people wrong because he's just got that real innocent face where you're like, how is this guy a fighter? He's like... Oh, my name's Brad Katona, and I'm uh, Katona. Oh, yeah, or there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Is uh, the Shotokan karate, the boxing, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, black belt. This guy is technical everywhere. Like, I don't see Marab finishing him. However, the relentless pace, the wrestling, that pressure, just a demon. I think this is, could be the stylistically nightmare matchup for Katona, uh, that we, and we could see it here. Uh, he's still young. He's still got a lot of growing to do. But this, this is probably just one of those fights that's just a, a three-round learning lesson. So I picked up Alishvili. Um, and I actually played a prop by decision, plus 100. So uh, there's the lone prop here. So uh, spoiler alert there. All right. Uh, let's get through this main card before I fall asleep. Jeez, I'm like contemplating like pausing and taking a break here, folks. Like I'm not even that tired. Did a lot of rolling today. Give me a break. My body wants to sleep. All right. Walt Harris, minus 165. Sergey Spivak, plus 145. Uh, yeah, pretty much I'm taking Harris here. Uh, it It's tough. Uh, public very down on Harris, and I can see why. Uh, don't, you know, he's definitely, you know. Done enough things in there to make me scared to bet him here, and I was, and this is, I think, a bettable line. Otherwise, it just depends on how much you trust Harris. I, I, I can't for a bet really here. Um, but I was not impressed by the Sergey Spivak guy. He just, he doesn't have a lot of accolades to his name, and when I looked at his footage, I wasn't impressed there too. Like, he's got natural power as a heavyweight, but it's not explosive pop power. His punches or his takedowns, um, it just it really wasn't that impressive, you know. Uh, he, he beat experienced guys, but, I mean, that's Travis Fulton and Tony Lopez. I mean, both those guys, obviously more so Travis Fulton at 255 wins or whatever, like 300 fights. He's like your best friend in uh, seven degrees of separation for the MMA edition. Uh, Tony Lopez as well, but those guys are on the wrong side of 40, and... Um, yeah, they weren't much more, you know, I don't know how much more they are than names. So not impressed with what I even saw from him. He has barely been out. I think he's only been out of the first round once, and that was only the second round. Uh, Walt Harris, say what you will, and he was doing some, you know, some, some stupid moves in his last fight against Orlovsky, but 
you know, Orlovsky's better than people give him credit for, even at this stage of his career. And I know it's technically a no contest, but that aside, uh, as far as the stuff Walt Harris was doing inside of the cage to give away the fight, despite his best efforts there, he was still able to pull away a win. You could take the perspective of that where it's like, wow, okay, he still got the win despite that. So if he can do that to Andrei Orlovsky in a fight where he's like, you know, making a bunch of mistakes, then I think he gets past Sergey. All right. Uh, all right. Finishing off the main card here, Andrew Sanchez minus 170. Mark Andre Barilau. Barilau? I forget. How is Robin Black pronouncing his name? I forget. Either way. Great commentary, though, by, uh, by Ram Dean and Black there for TKO. Uh, plus 150. Uh, I was tempted to pick this kid, but maybe because of the pick changes I previously did, I didn't want to. And at the end of the day, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know how good the guys was he fought. Some of them look very physically impressive, for sure. But maybe that's also because Marc-Andre isn't the biggest middleweight. Uh, granted, some were catchweights or light heavyweights, but even against other uh, you know, commensurate middleweights, he just seemed like the smaller guy. Uh, Sanchez as well, who, you know, was listening to an, uh, I think it was a James Lynch interview where he was saying uh, he's thought about 170 in the past too, which is crazy. So I think these guys are both around the same size. I just think Andrew Sanchez is the better mover, uh, both as a striker and as a grappler. I think that's going to make the difference. Um, I, I mean, you know, Mark andre he's really good everywhere, but he's not lights out anywhere. Uh, at first, maybe I was thinking he's French-Canadian. He's going to be mainly a kickboxer. Uh, but, no, he's just a pretty well-rounded dude. I just think Sanchez is going to be better. I think he's going to be good enough on the feet as well. Uh, uh, excuse me. I mean, we're seeing a bit of a styles shift from Sanchez. You know, he's 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 not doing the karate ins and outs as hard, which makes sense because that, that takes a lot of energy. And with a guy that's at a propensity to gas, I mean, his whole thing is energy management. So that's the big question here. Um, it looks like he was just more focused. His style changed, was in better shape, etc., etc. Mentality, etc. Since he went to TriStar, and I think that was only one camp or so. So let's see how how he does multiple camps now. Uh, if he only gets better, I guess he sparred this dude Mark Andre before, but I'm guessing he just wrestled them. We'll see. We'll see. Probably gets a decision here, but that's dog or pass for me, and that's the main card. Let me pause real quick. All right, I'm back. I didn't fall asleep. I wanted to. I thought about it. But um, if this uh, honey pepper vodka, or as I like to call, Chernobyl brand, is good for anything, it, uh, it woke me up, I think. Take a couple shots of that, splash some water on my face, and let's knock out the rest of this prelims, shall we? People got to... Podcasts listen to and and picks to get to. All right, um, Macy Chasson minus eight hundred. She's just getting that Ronda Rousey treatment again. You just start getting some finishes, a couple finishes, and they treat you like Jesus effing Christ uh, on the betting lines uh, versus Sarah Morris plus five fifty. Um, Fan of Sarah Cheesecake. Of course, she recently came down here at Shreem Couture. She's going to have the great Dennis Davis in her corner. Uh, definitely going to be rooting for her. But that bias aside, I, I do think she's much more live than the number uh, represents. Uh, she's a physical girl herself. Um, so, you know, I think that 
and she, you know, she, the record's not great, but she's been there. She's had a lot of mat time, much more than Macy, you know, against a, a higher level of comp. So, you know, it, it, we've seen her pull out arm bars and pull out surprises from bad submissions. So if Macy loses focus or gets discouraged or she doesn't get the early finish, then it could get interesting. Uh, obviously, it's a stay away. Um, I'm going to probably just, you know, sprinkle on Sarah just because it's the biggest dog on there. There shouldn't be a big dog. And uh, But that being said, you know, and as an analyst, uh, Macy's the deserved favor, and she should probably win this fight. But, uh, yeah, all right, that's that. All right. Hey, man, Zahabi is the favorite at minus 150. Yeah, Vince Morales, uh, come back on him as your underdog is plus 130. Um, Zahabi, a big layoff. No fight bookings either. Supposed to maybe just took the time to be healthy and some other things going on. I don't know. I know for us it's real, uh, you know, cognizant of cognitive health. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, who knows what it is. I, I, I didn't see any interviews on it, to be honest. Um, uh, that being said, uh, you know, he got caught by a really good guy, Ricardo Ramos, and, you know, you could argue you should have seen the spinning elbow because he threw it twice, but I think he just thought he was clear and he wasn't going to throw it again, and he just didn't see it, to be honest. Uh, that was just the perfect shot. Uh, learning lesson, albeit a hard one, you know, it's, it's nerve-wracking to bet a guy coming off a layoff, much less a potential life-changing knockout. But he's young. He took the time off. And I think that's actually better in hindsight. You look how good and how well-rounded he is. I only imagine he's only gotten better. Um, they're good at recreating that sparring day at TriStar by doing it the one day a week, making it really feel like the process. Uh, I think they're going to have him very well prepared. And looking at Vince Morales, I mean, you know, I really liked you know his effort despite losing on the Contender Series, but. You know, granted, he had to go to China to face Song Yadong, which was poor guy there. You know, at the same time, I just I didn't see anything that I, that I could write home about. And you know, he's long, athletic, and has enough skills and enough well-rounded areas to you know put together some wins in the regional scene. But until I see otherwise, that's about all I see. Uh, and you even look at it like you know he doesn't come from a wrestling. It's not, high rank in jiu-jitsu, wasn't doing karate from a young age, like none of that. Like He started pretty late in the game. Um, so, you know, he's out there in Idaho. Uh, is SBG's little branch out there? Like I saw Vito Ortega at the same one, I think. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What and, again, you can't judge a guy off of paper with Jimmy trains at, what ranks he has, but... Well, you're not stocking up any statistics in those departments for the most part, or at least anything major, eye-catching. It's like, Ugh. And I look at the tape, and nothing's really catching my eye, you know, um, at least where it should be. And now they're making them go to Canada to fight their guy over there. Like, it's, it's kind of clear what they're using Vince Morales for, and I'm, but I'm just surprised the line doesn't reflect that, which means I'm guessing the layoff and KO is scaring them. But when you look at this whole card and what's... Arguably a lot of competitive matchups at competitive lines that kind of got gassed or the ones where there were perceived advantages, people were smart and they already kind of took those and, you know, 
made certain people uh, underdogs who weren't initially. And who, who knows? It remains to be seen if those were the smart moves. But that's what. I'm, uh, but as far as taking your stabs and guesses go, most of those have been made, which is why this one seems funny to me, that nobody took this line a bit. Minus 150 seems a bit low. I feel like not only does this a hobby have the clear ceiling, the better experience, the better UFC experience, the better skills, overall skills... Uh, you know, gym, uh, athlete, you know, it's arguable. But, I mean, he has just so many things in his favor, but the line does not represent that. So from that alone, I know layoff, I know he came off a knockout, but compared to what else is out there, this is one of the closer bettable lines, and I don't think it should be close. I think this is one of the more clear what they're trying to do here. Um... There's a lot of Canadian on Canadian crime, with Canadians that I don't know how, quite how they got there. Uh, this is an actual Canadian with some 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 decent uh, some decent hype, and it seems pretty clear what they want to do here. Again, I don't know why the line doesn't reflect that. Maybe people will know something that I don't. But I, I took a, a 1.5 uh, straight shot on on Zahabi there at minus 150. You'll see what comes back. Um, all right, next fight, Nordin Taleb, minus 255, Kyle Prepolek, plus 295. I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of footage on Kyle. I've seen him pop up on people's records from uh, Kevin Lee to Alexander Ricci. Um, and now he's finally getting his shot in the UFC, but, you know, getting it on a short notice, up a weight class, albeit he's a big lightweight who's fought at catchweight fights before. You know, Taleb's a sturdy welterweight, man. Um, and he's had, you know, some bad fights recently. Uh, Claudio Silva, maybe not as bad as, as you know, in hindsight. He, although he just, he just probably just snuck up on him. But, yeah, it's hard to trust Taleb, especially when you're getting near to 4-1 to one odds. So, uh, I'm staying away, but, but the pick there is Nordin Taleb. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he should be just a more bigger, more well-rounded guy. Uh, again, Brad about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, underrated wrestling, not just Muay Thai. All right, uh, we got Matt Sales, minus 240. Uh, Kyle Nelson, plus 200. Um, I like Sales here. Uh, I, I like his style a lot. was really impressed. Really impressed with his, uh, his fight with uh, Shaman Marais, especially just knowing how good Shaman is and, you know, still is. Uh, yeah, I think Sales got some upside, you know. That Muay Thai experience on paper wasn't BS. Uh, he he knows how to move and uh, be in the heat of things and and be fine with it. And is only getting that more sent you know uh, movement movement centric looks over there from Alliance and that crew. Um, looks like a natural guy that that you know he he doesn't look like he's easy to take down. He looks pretty competent in those areas. I don't think it's going to be too big of a worry for Kyle Nelson. Nelson's a competent purple belt, although he really didn't get to show it, you know, his ground skills when you consider uh, Cesar, uh, Cesar uh, Diego Fajeda. But 145, I know this is natural weight, but I don't, I mean, I guess that's why they call him the monster or whatever, but yeah, I don't know how that Kyle Nelson guy makes it. Um, that being said, you know, being tall at the lower weights, I think, is less of an advantage of being tall at the higher weights. You know, like a John Jones, uh, much more benefits than, you know, if you're a, you know, Oka Sasaki or a George Roop or a, you get what I'm trying to say here. Um, 
when you have to reach down and lower your jabs, if you have a long jab like Nelson, uh, that space where you have to lower it to hit your target and you're tall, it leaves your head kind of hanging up in the air. Uh, so I, I can see Matt Sales just going right over the top. So I'll take Sales um, either by late TKO, like third round, easy Derek Love, or, uh, or just by a decision because he needs to win. Uh, not too strong of feelings there, I'll be honest, guys. So I, I, didn't, I didn't play anything. Uh, all right, next fight. Juan, the chosen one, Adams minus 130 versus Arjun Buller plus 110. Um, I wanted to take Buller until I forgot that Juan Adams was actually a D1 wrestler. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot that. But uh, probably because I, I actually didn't watch his last fight. I was over in covering Bellator Hawaii when he fought De La Rocha. So I only saw his contender series fight and was kind of scoring off of that. And it was a pretty easy pick to pick him over De La Rocha, although De La Rocha... Had some moments there and kind of showed that, you know, Juan Adams keeps his head straight, man, for the hitting. I'm going to imagine Juan Adams is going to improve that, but, man, was he there to be hit. Uh, thankfully, he doesn't got to worry about too much with Arjun Buller. Arjun Buller is not a one-shot knockout heavyweight. He's not a big heavyweight. Uh, he's got some decent boxing, but it's more just kind of volume, putting the pressure on you, putting the numbers on you. Um, which, again, he doesn't want to let Arjun do too much of that either and steal rounds off him and get him tired. But... Arjun, it's hard to know where he's at either. I love the way he speaks and everything. Uh, but then he'll get hit with stuff like Oma Plata, you know? Or Goga Plata. Or what did he get hit with? Is it just a... Yeah, it was Oma Plata, sorry. By uh, Weezerick. But, you know... You know... Uh, the win over Golem looks less impressive. Golem kind of just burnt out there. Fizzled out fast. And I still wanted to pick Buller, though, probably because, uh, again, another shot to James Lynch there. He did a video game interview with James Lynch, and he quoted Scotty Pippen. He said, the mailman don't deliver on Sundays. And, you know, uh, just, I'm, I'm just a Scotty Pippen quote away from being a, a fan for life with stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of what this guy Buller brings, but uh, I got to pick Adams here. Uh, I think he's just going to be the bigger, stronger wrestler. And being able to dictate in the harder hitter on the feet. Um, and hopefully you get that fight with Greg Hardy if he wins. So maybe they may be part of that is part of that. But who knows? I actually got one out of here, though. All right. Next fight, uh, Mitch Gagnon, who not as big of a favorite anymore, but is your favorite, minus 115. Cole Smith, newcomer, minus 105. Did not see a lot on Cole Smith, to be honest. Uh, Orthodox long. Not sure how the hell he makes the weight. Looks like a fucking giant. Uh, Michigan yawn, man. Just not, not that impressive. He's got a decent left hook there. Pretty compact. Good, good grappler. Uh, some regional Canadian titles, but not really a specialist in one area. Doesn't have that far reaching, uh, resume to, 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 to speak of. And he hasn't fought since 2016, like late 2016, like a ridiculously long way off. I don't know if he's just finishing up his contract or not, but I could see why all the money came in on the dog Cole Smith. Uh, I usually don't do this that much of a straight fade, especially when a guy is not a newcomer and not a lot of footage on, but I'm actually going to take Cole Smith here as well. Uh, I, I think I think uh, Gagnon is just showing up, and uh, he's going to be outgunned by an edgier, more powerful, younger, longer cat here, I, I, I believe. All right, so I'm uh, going to review the picks from top to bottom and then get this out and go get a little bit of sleep for show call uh, in the morning. All right, uh... Taking Iaquinta over Cerrone. Taking Derek Bronson versus Eli over Elias Theodoru. Taking Cub Swanson over Shane Burgos. 
Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to lay money on Cub. Maybe I will. Who knows? But that's a stay away pretty much because it's bound to get crazy. I'm taking Marab Devashvili over Brad Katona. I'm taking Walt Harris over Sergei Spivak. I'm taking Andrew Sanchez over Mark andre Berriol. I'm taking Macy Kieson. Chasson over Sarah Morass. I'm taking A man Zabi over Vince Morales. I'm taking Nordine Taleb over Kyle Prepolek. Taking Matt Seals over Kyle Nelson. Taking Juan Adams over Arjun Buller. Taking Cole Smith over Mitch Gagnon. Played Devos really by decision plus 100. Half a unit. Put 1.5 units straight on Zahabi at minus 150. Uh, nothing else really. Uh, pretty much avoided everything else. Um, on it, Amazon, iTunes, you know the normal spots. You can find this podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry I'm so low energy and fucking tired, guys. Uh, uh, that's what happens when you, you just you start getting back into the gym and, and try to get some sleep except for nights like this. So. Uh, life is good, but uh, thanks for thanks for thanks for hanging in there. Uh, I will try to make these better, as good as life is. I will, I will continue to try to make these better. Thanks for sticking with me. Good luck with your picks and plays this weekend, and uh, hopefully it's another awesome weekend like last one was. Till then, protect your nest.